the remedial film class podcast i'm your host dan and i'm travis and i'm george and george is in for a treat today because he's gonna watch batman batman (laughs) can somebody please tell me what kind of a world we live in where a man can be 32 years old and has never seen freaking batman (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy times Shoot. I'm speechless. I mean, I'm assuming here, George. George, have you seen Batman? Do you know who he is? Uh, <laughs> not the uh, not the one that you guys uh, assigned. I've seen the uh, I've seen Begins and Dark Knight and and Rises, um, but so, I have not seen. So you've seen uh, the Nolan prior. trilogy. Yeah, I've, I've seen the current ones, and I think they're fantastic. But By the way, those current ones are like 10 years old, and they've had two Batmans <laughs> since then. <laughs> well, they so suck. Catch so, <laughs> so. Uh, But anyway, so, like, okay, so we're talking about uh, making you watch <laughs> Batman. Let's just be clear. There are a million of them. Uh, 89, Tim Burton, Batman 89. You've not seen this one. No. But you're familiar with the character? The character Batman? Yes. Yes. Who's your favorite Batman? Like the actor? No, the character. Are you a Bruce Wayne guy, Dick Grayson, maybe a uh, Damian Wayne, or even a Thomas Wayne? Ooh, now that is one I hope to see coming up soon. Or Jean-Paul Valley? Are you a Jean-Paul Valley guy? No, I don't know what you're You look like a Jean-Paul Valley guy. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, shoot. We're going to assume that his favorite character would be Batman. Because <laughs> oh I don't God. know if he knows any of the other ones. Jeez Louise, guys. Okay, so George, uh, are you aware that Batman has been a character for like 80 years? Uh, 80 years? 80 years. No, but I. it's not doesn't surprise me. Do you know that they were making movies of this character during World War II? No, I did not know that. One of them is super racist. <laughs> Not, that like you doesn't can't surprise me it, either. You can't watch it with kids. Like the first moment of the, it's right off, right from the jump, like the opening line of the thing. You're just like, oh no, <laughs> like that's, <laughs> oh it's bad. Uh, but the costumes are lame, so that's fun. <laughs> Have you seen the '60s Batman TV show on ABC, or maybe the movie they based on the TV show? Um, I have an I, I have an idea. I've seen like. Do you, you know, know how to do the bat dance? <laughs> Can like, you do the bat toosie? I don't know. I don't know what that is. Okay, what about the uh, 70s era, like, Neil Adams comics? Have you ever read those? No, nah, I'm not a big comic guy. What? So I, I assume you haven't read Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns? No, I haven't read anything. Okay, you need to read that. That's important. Put that on your okay. list. You probably ought to watch some of the 60s Batman too, if only for context of how awesome the 80s Batman was. Okay. Anything else we should make him look at before he watches Travis? I don't know. I, ju- I would just have to say that if he has Nolan on the brain, he needs to uh, take this Batman as a different Batman. That's all. Sort of. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Sort of. I, I don't want to have him compare the two because I believe that that would not be fair. In to my Nolan, opinion. what? <laughs> In many cases, yes. Okay. So, if we say anything else, I am going to... Spoil this movie for George so hard. 
and so frequently. So let's just get That's to so it. Dirty. Let's kick George <laughs> right in the bat butt and get him out there watching some Batman, and we'll get him back here after he's done. Okay, they are now seating in the theater. There, George. All right, let's do Grab it. Grab your popcorn. Get your popcorn ready. Social distance. All right, we're back, George. George. Yes, sir. What did you think, man? It was terrible. <sighs> I no, just, I'm just, I'm just playing. Good. Okay, was, I didn't die yet. It was good. <laughs> Started to die. Pulled I just, out. Of it I just knew how excited you were, so I had to yes. like deflate you at least a you little gotta bit. You got to temper me a little bit because I'm, I love this movie. <laughs> now I no, I liked it. Um, there, you know, there was a couple things, you know, just because I think because it's an older movie, like some of the effects weren't so great. The bat, uh, plane, I guess I don't know what you would <gasps> call it. The bat wing. The bat, wing. the bat wing was uh I don't know what year what like what year did Star Wars come out because they 77 definitely did that better than the 89 Batman like the ship and what? The, anyways I what? It, it didn't look good but it, I I get it I can overlook and I can look past it I have a lot of issues with the Batwing but not looking good not one of those issues No the thing actually looked it looked dope but when it was flying it didn't look you know, some of the scenes with the the Batmobile mm. looked really, really good. Like they really nailed the Batmobile, and I think it might just be because that's. I mean, I was born in '88, so that was like the Batmobile that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. But I thought they actually made it maneuver really, really well, and make it look like it's going really I fast. I think the the Batwing kind of suffers from, and I I I at the time I thought it was awesome, but. They did a lot of model work in this movie. A lot yeah, of set, a lot, lot of the of sets, miniature. Are, a lot of miniature sets. So they try when you film miniatures, just like when they film like a King Kong character, you have to do the movement right per frames, or they don't look menacing. They don't look big. They look small. Right. So with that plane, I don't think they were taking into consideration that it's going to look like a toy in a model. Scene. That's that's why I'm yeah. saying like you know Star Wars Lucas did the same thing in Star Wars mm-hmm. with his planes but they looked good to me. Right. Well, Whatever I think a he, lot of it is they're flying against like a space background versus flying through a city. City, yeah. It's a yeah, lot it harder be. to sure. get the scaling right. But again, love that plane or as our good friend the Joker calls it, uh, one of those uh, th- things. things. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he tell me he had one of those things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, there was a couple other things. Like I didn't, I didn't think, like, I didn't think Joker's face looked great. <gasps> what? But and also like when he exec or when he uh, electrocuted the guy in the boardroom. Oh, yeah, when that he was, roasts that poor guy. Yeah, that's yeah, it's a little overdone, but. Like I like I said, a little overdone. I can. Oh, yeah. so good. <laughs> um, no, but I can. I can look you past those things. You are a vicious bastard, Maroney. Um, the the things that really st- struck me were um, the Joker's uh, backstory. Um, but first of all, like it's beautifully cast. That's he. You know, knowing the Joker that I know was also beautifully cast, and like maybe my favorite um you know character in any mm-hmm. comic movie Heath Ledger's Joker 
Oh, fantastic. I thought you were talking about uh, the guy from Suicide Squad. Oh God, with, with <laughs> metal teeth. Not not that Joker, <laughs> but no. the good one. Okay. No, nah, he he's a he's a Ledger dude. No, he Heath Ledger was the best Joker ever. But um, Nicholson was fantastic, uh, and I liked you know the backstory about like you know how he came to look like that with the bad plastic surgery, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, he's oh that's why he's always smiling. That was like. I don't know if that's from the comics or if that's new to this movie, but that was a good way uh, to do it. They they took some liberties okay. making this movie. Uh, they they did not stick to full canon. They they took many liberties. I was also going to ask, I don't think it's in the comics either, but I mean, I don't know because I haven't read any, but I thought it was kind of corny that, you know, Jack, you know, when he was younger, was the guy who killed... That was one Batman's of the liberties parents. they took. Okay, I thought that was kind of corny. Let's just jump in, because you've brought up a lot of good points that we need to hit, like whack-a-mole, just one at a time. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the Joker's backstory in this is ripped somewhat directly from a comic called The Killing Joke. Killing Joke. Written by Alan Moore of the Watchmen fame, like a you know top-tier top mm-hmm. comic author of the 80s. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it's in the comic, he's like a stand-up comedian who's doing side jobs for the mob and wearing a funny hat and gets knocked into acid, and the acid gets in his helmet, messes up his skin, drives him crazy, and now he's the Joker. Uh, in the comic, though, I don't remember him being tossed in the vat of acid as, like, a Rube Goldberg uh, punishment for banging a mob boss's girlfriend. Right, right, right. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, however you get there. <laughs> well, That's but- one... You miss that when you're a kid. Like, I mean, they make it pretty darn obvious yes. that he's banging Jack Palance's girlfriend. Yes. But as a kid, you're just like, oh, she's got shopping bags. <laughs> and her face is a little scarred. Um, yeah, that Joe Chill is the character that kills Wayne, the, the Wayne family. Mm-hmm. So they get that right in the Nolan movies. But this movie, I guess that they figured it would help the story along if they have Jack Napier kill his family, make it more personal. A lot of people had a problem with that. But they did back it. Then, they did it just for like one line. Yeah. Like or two. Even if they would have had Joe Chill with Napier and Napier said the line and they still had Chill kill that family, then it would have been fine. Because then it would put Napier there, but then he's not the reason why Bruce Wayne becomes bad. Right. They couldn't have said those line, those two lines back and forth. Right. You know, you made me. And, well, know, the whole point of Batman is that he is Batman because of that event. Yes. And he is who he is because of that event. So he doesn't kill anybody. That's his code. Yes. I don't kill. In this movie, that kind of is pushed aside as well. Yes. Um, I'm still not sure if he dropped him on purpose or not into that. In that acid, yeah, they do. Chemicals. They they leave that open to uh, a lot of uh, interpretation. Yes, because Keaton's face yes. kind of has the fuck it kind of you know mm-hmm. I'm not, I mm-hmm. can't deal. And he mm-hmm. drops him, and it's almost like does he drop him or does he drop him? I don't. I didn't interpret it as him doing it on purpose. Okay. Yeah, you got to go back but. and watch it though, especially in 4K because you can watch the acting a little better on the faces. <laughs> Yeah, this they... 4K release has just changed my life, guys. Okay. I mean, it's just you see stuff you've never seen before, including like a better exchange of uh, looks in that scene, where yeah, it becomes a lot more. Ha- he makes murky. a look. 
Remember in Aliens, when we were watching Aliens, I was like, watch Sigourney Weaver's face when that egg opens up and she decides to just blow up everything. Like, she just has that head tilt. Like, no, I'm not leaving here until this is gone. Yeah, yeah. He kind of did the same kind of acting where, I don't know if Burton told him this or if it was his choice or whatever, but he made a face to where you're not really sure if he did that on purpose or not. So, as a Batman, you know, completist or enthusiast and, and, and someone who's a fan of the comics, there are certain things that are separate Batman from the Punisher. And one of them is that he does not kill. Yeah. So, you know, when he when he throws the henchman into the bell and he falls down the tower, like, all those things are, they're cool for the movie, but they don't really fit the character. It's much better when the cops show up and there's 19 guys hanging from the ceiling and they're all on cables. And I agree. So yeah, not a huge fan of the thirty caliber machine guns on the Batmobile. That right. seems like a pretty anti personnel kind of, you know. <laughs> Unless he's using it to open doors, blowing up an entire Axis chemical plant full of dudes. Like, is yeah. this Star Wars? Like, are we just killing the Empire? Right. There's your clerk's uh, callback, by the way. <laughs> All those contractors that were just all those contractors you know, janitorial at the acid plant, like. Yeah, it's a lot of dead people. So that's that's a big thing, and if that if that's something that stuck out to you, then that's true. Like a lot of people had a problem back then. It did with with that. It and did. It well, helps funny. the story, but Travis, you bring up you know if he had been like a henchman working with Joe Chill or whatever, and that you know it'd still be changing the comics, but less so. Uh, if you ever watch Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, which is mm. a cartoon movie, but is awesome, phenomenal. Joker is a mob henchman in the background at the beginning of the movie in the flashbacks. And so okay. you get that like he's there, he's around, it's kind of looking like the Joker, but like you don't really know for oh, nope, that's the Joker. Like they do that really well. It's like they get a do-over kind of. Yes. Well, I was waiting to see if George liked this movie before I suggest him. What you need to do is get the animated series and watch it because it's probably some of the best Batman better than Nolan in some cases. Agreed. Some of the best Batman stories ever. There's like, what, four seasons? Plus The Mask of the Phantasm, and I think there was a couple other movies. Well, and then Batman Beyond. I mean, if we're going, let's go all the way. But the animated series, the Paul Denny stuff, is just ridiculous. It's so good. Okay. And it's a cartoon, but I remember coming home from high school and recording that shit. Okay. On my VHS and watching them later. Like, they were just, and then finally they put them out. I went to Suncoast and bought the seasons on VHS. Yeah. I used to record them so I could watch them. They're, they're phenomenal. And, and Mark Hamill is the Joker. The best Joker ever. Okay. Better than Nicholson, better than Ledger. So okay. one of the weirder things that comes out of this movie, uh, to this point, there are periods in the comics where Batman kills, especially really early on before he finds his moral compass. Right. But, uh, and before the comics code was like, hey, you can't be killing stuff in a kid book. Anyway, in the 90s, there is a period where another individual is Batman for a little while. And he's the Jean-Paul Valley that I alluded to earlier. <laughs> and it's not important, really, to normal people, except in one uh, comic, they decide to make him kill. Just to kind of gauge the response of the audience to see like it's the nineties. Does Batman kill now mm. or should we stick to the old way? And resoundingly the comics people were like, Whoa, mm-hmm. mm. this ain't the 
you know, early 40s anymore. We don't have our Batman kill. But the way he kills the guy is straight up dropping him in a vat of acid, not unlike this movie. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, so it's like the dialogue continues in the comics as to whether this was acceptable or not, or intentional or not. I don't like it. Dude, he gets shot in the face before <laughs> he gets dropped. Like, ugh. Well, again, is that the glass from the? Uh, was it the ricochet or was it the glass from? That's the, what I thought too. I didn't meter? think he got shot in the face. I thought he got. It's like shrapnel of, he, from something. Yes, it's obviously it's not shrapnel. a direct shot. Right, but I mean, it looks like it goes in one cheek and out the other. Yeah, it could just be two simultaneous pieces of glass. There's enough there to get under the PG-13, you know, rating. Right. But it's also an excellent excuse for the nerve damage that causes his smile, and. So yeah, well, Heath, Heath the back Ledger's alley surgeon nothing. too helps that. Yeah, well, <laughs> you go well, back alley surgeon. He was at the he was at the back alley surgeon because his face was jacked up. Yeah, yeah, and he's a criminal and he can't really go to the hospital. Right, but yeah. yeah. So let's let's go back to the beginning because okay. for me, guys, 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 guys the <laughs> opening scene right yes. before the movie even begins, the first character in the movie is a song that's amazing, but then when the song is over and they cut to that Gotham City skyline. There's like a New York police car siren noise. Mm -hmm. And obviously they didn't like go to New York and record a car, right? That's canned, like, um, you know, just you can pay to license it, canned siren. They used the same one the year before in Maniac Cop. (laughs) So if you're watching Maniac Cop and you've seen the Batman movie a thousand times, you're going to hear the moment they use the exact same recording of a New York police car and it'll bring you joy. Well, what's that what's that Lucasfilm yell that's in everything? What what do oh, they call that? The Wilhelm scream. Wilhelm scream. Yeah, that's in everything. I love finding that. <laughs> we'll be watching like a Pixar movie. I'm like, there it is. There's the scream. Um so yeah, in the opening scene, like you're you're programmed to you think you're going to watch an origin story, right? So you're you're, and then they just jump right into it. Like, he's already Batman. Yeah. It's already started. Like, how did you, were you excited about that, that you didn't have to sit through an origin story? Because I remember when I was watching it in the theater, I was like, oh, thank God. He's already Batman. I didn't I didn't know what to expect. Um, was I glad that he was already Batman? I, I don't know. I mean, well, you have to be- sit through that hour of, like, backstory. And, like, because you're so I don't used know. To that. I enjoyed that, that hour you know when Nolan did well, it. Well, Nolan did, yeah, because he so, did a totally different. Uh, he did it so true. Yeah, so I mean, I I I enjoyed the the backstory, but was I surprised? No, not really. I didn't really think anything of it. I just set the it set the tone for me. Did you it's, get the parallel, George, when you were watching it the first time? Did you see like, oh God, this is just Bruce Wayne's origin story again? Kid, two parents, locked in an alley, mugger. Like, is that tripping your Batman alarms, or are you just thinking, oh, this is just the beginning of the movie? Oh no! It was definitely tripping my alarms. Like I actually thought I was like, you know, is this? I thought is this the origin? And then when he was there, I was like, oh yeah, it's definitely not. I I thought it might be the origin story happening, and right. then Batman. No, was they there. totally they, they did, did that on right. purpose, mm-hmm. and it, I realized there, you know, I as I was supposed to, you know, not until uh, you until shadow. you see Batman, yeah. The rotoscoped Batman at the top <laughs> of the thing. That's amazing. It still looks cool, but it's like it's the more so animated. You know, yeah, the more they enhance it, uh, the more it's just clearly a, a rotoscoped cartoon Batman. And not even, it's like one, yeah, it's so much fun. Fun fact on that scene, the uh, I'm Batman 
line was improv, apparently. What? Hmm. The line was, I am the knight. That's pretty good. the knight. And Keaton pulled him to his face and said, I'm Batman. And eventually Kevin Conroy will take that, you know, I am the knight and expand it to like this whole little multi-part speech that I won't, I won't try to mimic, but holy moly. So George. Well, that can be interpreted, you know, two different ways. What's that? You know, I am the knight, like the darkness, the, you know, when the sun goes down, the night, or, right. or I am the night can, the night, like, like right? he, because he is the dark night. Dark night right? Yeah, exactly. That's why it so. works, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, George, <laughs> thanks for explaining that to everybody. Uh, <laughs> the George explain. Hey, uh, did you have a chance to look at any of the 60s Batman stuff? Uh, yes. Um, Travis, uh, let me borrow the 60s Batman movie and. I watched about half of it because I was pressed for time, and then I just switched right over to um, uh, to the 89. Oh, you tried to fit them both in one night? Well, I tried to watch the 60s one last night, and I fell asleep okay. about like 20 minutes into it. So I watched more of it tonight before I popped this one in. Gotcha. Did you get to see the part where they climb up the side of a building and Mickey Rooney sticks his head out the window? Because um, it's like they did it on the show all the time where they basically just... <laughs> Be hunched they over, walking turn from right, right to left, <laughs> and then the whatever celebrity guest star would pop their head up out of the window, so it looked like they were leaning out. Right, and they're walking just in tandem up one bat rope that's secured to the roof by a batarang. Did you happen to catch any of that? <laughs> Did you get to the to the shark repellent? Yes. Okay. Shark that's, repellent bat spray. That's all you needed to see was the shark repellent. No, because I, I really want to press upon how important that show was to the movie we made mm-hmm. you watch. Because in 89, the only Batman that they'd seen in media since World War II was Adam West yep. in his tights walking sideways across a building with the camera turned at a Dutch angle. Right. And so they start this movie out. You got rotoscoped Batman. Dark enough, you can't see his costume. And mm-hmm. like the very first thing you see him do is flare the best cape you've ever seen mm-hmm. and then throw the batarang from the 60s show and wrap that guy's ankle up. Like there's a direct connection to the 60s right there at the beginning. Just like, hey, this is familiar. Boom. Okay, you know what this is. And then yes. they shoot Batman. You're just like, oh, <laughs> this is not the 60s anymore. Yeah, they shot him. Yeah. I like the fact that they kind of made him... For me, the cool thing about Batman is his ability to fight and his maneuver and using the shadows and all that stuff. They didn't really do a lot of that. They did. They almost made him vulnerable on purpose. Like, he he was not so careful to not get shot. He wasn't so careful to not get taken down by anybody, but he made himself immortal by being shot and still getting up. It was almost like he made himself more of a lore, yeah. more of a legend mm-hmm. to talk, be talked about. Like, I'm going to let myself get shot so I can stand up. Yeah, he made a heck of a show of it, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, exactly. Those those two guys, I mean, he didn't even, like, wrap them up for the cops to take away. Like, he basically just told them both to go tell their friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, social media before there was social media. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> retweet like, this motherfucker. Retweet this motherfucker. <laughs> at this point in the movie, he was just trying to get street cred. Yeah. <laughs> He's sure. just looking for followbacks. That's fine. Well, let's oh talk about goodness. Keaton because he, he basically, he was not the fan choice. 
He didn't look like Bruce Wayne. No. Like or at he, least not what I pictured Bruce well, you, Wayne looking he like. He came from doing Beetlejuice and Mr. Mom, mm-hmm. and he was a comedic actor and, and not built at all. And they just, when they picked him, everybody was just lost their shit. Kind of like they did with Ledger when they picked Ledger. People were like campaigning to get the license removed from the, their ability to make movies. Mm. Um, but I think he did all right. He definitely brought a different aspect to the character. He didn't do the the Christian Bale playboy, you know, yeah, in everybody's face and and you know just flaunting it. He was more like a tortured soul. He was very, yes. very recluse and very very much an introvert. To me, I like that more. Even like he was obviously more comfortable as Batman than as Bruce Wayne. Like mm-hmm. he was very uncomfortable as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and you could tell that was a clear choice that he made as a as an actor and Burton made as a director. He's a cl- he's clearly uncomfortable as Bruce Wayne, yeah. which was the opposite of what Bale did. Bale well, seemed but to remember, be more... Travis Bale when he is Batman, that's his real face, right. and when he's Bruce Wayne, that's his mask. And if you didn't catch that, they'll explain it to you at the end of the movie. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Don't get me wrong, and I I do prefer Katie Holmes's performance to most of what Maggie Gyllenhaal did in that role. Yes. but we'll talk about that movie another day. Yeah, when we get there. So, what was your take on Keaton? Like, other than he wasn't. I mean, it 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 worked. It it worked. I it wasn't, uh, like I said, what I expected my Bruce Wayne to look like. Right. But um, I I liked it. I liked the fact that he's a you know, a, a tortured soul instead of a of a playboy. It's just a, it's a different take. It was okay. My favorite part of his entire performance. Uh, there's there's two parts. They're like a almost like completely di- diametrically opposed Bruce Wayne's. You've got nervous Bruce Wayne in Vicky Vale's apartment, and she leaves the room, and he's mouthing to himself, "I'm yeah, Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> like I'm gonna get this. I'm going to build myself up. I kick men in the chest with my bat boots, but I am afraid to tell the pretty lady." That I, I like to wear bat boots and I'm gonna have to psych <laughs> myself up. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Right? Yeah, I that love was that. great. But then I love the and my kids think it's so stupid that I always like make them watch this part when we watch you this movie over and over again. But uh no, no, no. When uh, they're in the Bat Cave and Vicky Vale has broken every cardinal rule and appeared in the yes. Bat Cave and he he's like, I wanna love you and you're really hot and like I wanna make babies with you someday. But I gotta go to work. I gotta go to work. I love I gotta go to work. <laughs> I love that line so much. I don't know why. I but as a kid I didn't like it, but now as an adult I'm like, yeah, he's got to go to work. He's got to go kick Joker in the face. Well, it's kind of like in Spider-Man where where Mary Jane says, you know, go get him, Tiger. Like it's just he she knows who he is and she knows what he has to do. So he's basically saying, yeah, I want to be with you, but I have to, I have to do this. It's not that I want to do it. I have to do it. Yeah. And but the fact that he let uh, that Alfred let her in the Batcave flipped me out cuz that that's so it's kind not, of a no-no yeah in that world <laughs> and alfred knows that Damn but it. you know liberties i mean really this movie's made to be a one-off like right. everything about this movie is resolution including the thing where he you know we always try to think of batman as like the symbol of justice and not of vengeance but in this movie he's just out for vengeance like he wasn't right. at first but now he is like vengeance is here, and he's he's tasting it, and it's well, sweet. that's the whole premise. Like he even says uh, when when Joker's like, uh, "You made me," he's like, "Well, I made you. You made me first, kind of thing." Mm-hmm. So it yeah. goes all the way back to his first 
decision to be Batman is based on his revenge against Napier, basically. But, you, yeah. you know, it's not like he spends the whole film directed at Napier so much. It's just like surprised that he's back. I don't know. I have some trouble with that. But at the same time, like, who cares? Because this movie's awesome. <laughs> so fun fact on on uh, on the Bruce Wayne. You'll love this. Uh, Ray Liotta was supposed to play. Uh, he was he was <laughs> he was offered three parts in this movie. Can you guess which three parts? Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta was offered three parts by Tim Burton. Well, he wouldn't have needed any makeup as the Joker. Yes, he was offered that. <laughs> he was offered Batman. For real? And he was offered Harvey Dent, which he would have uh, been phenomenal Two-Face. Yeah. He would have been, been a good Two-Face. Very but good Two-Face. I love Billy D, man. So do I. I'm annoyed that we never got Billy D as Two-Face until the Lego movie. <laughs> What's funny is you were saying this was made as a one-off, but Burton put him as Harvey Dent because he wanted to make him Two-Face. What about Jack Palance, though, guys? Do we like Jack Palance in this room like I, I do, or am I am I alone? I love Jack Palance. Oh, my God. Who, who are we talking uh, about? He was the mob boss that Jack stole his woman and then killed him. Oh. Yeah. Grisham, I think is his character name. Carl Grisham. Carl Grisham. Boss Carl Grisham. Should have been Maroney, which is another, uh, or Falcone. He should have been Falcone. Because Falcone is like a definite Batman mob villain. Yeah. And they didn't use Falcone. But I don't know if Falcone was huge in the 80s. Like, I don't remember him in anything before, like, The Long Halloween. No. And that might just be, it's been a long time since I read the the classics. But George, did you ever get a chance to read The Dark Knight Returns? I never got him The Dark Knight Returns. Oh, my goodness. That one is such an influence on this movie. But he because will it read does, it. It's like, you know, a lot of the 80s stuff was starting to get a little gritty, mm. but that one takes it just over the top. I let him borrow Death in the Family. Pretty good. And Year One. Oh, Year One is quite good. Yeah. More so. of an influence on the Nolan movies than this yes. one, Yes, yes. But I just wanted him to see that stark contrast to the Adam West and where they were heading, like what they were trying to, they were trying to get away from the West, Adam West stuff, but they were trying to, you know, live action versions of the 80s stuff on screen. I do love that Adam West stuff though. Man, it's so good. So, Jack. You already started talking about how good he was. Yeah, I liked him. I let's start from the beginning with Jack. The foreshadowing was there, like he's you know wearing a purple suit. Got the you playing know, cards. He's playing with the cards. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh he's got the Joker with the well, I guess maybe did all the hole did all the cards have a hole in it? I think so. Probably yeah, he must have stolen from a casino. Yeah, it's probably a casino deck. Anyway, yeah. Um yeah, he had the card, he had the purple suit. Um I, did, I liked how he wasn't goofy at first. I like that. Yeah, like me it too. Was a definite change for him. Me too. And then obviously, you know, I we already talked about the backstory, how he how he got that way with the plastic surgery and everything. The reveal though. Mm. Yes, sir. Oh my God, I for a woman. I had a I had a large (laughs) boner when he was revealed. Yeah, Uh, that was that was a great scene. I'm gonna tell you the shot they use where he kind of fades in from the darkness. Yes, 
there's a very similar scene in a movie that Travis and I are both fans of, uh, where a white face kind of fades in from yeah. a shadowy darkness. Uh, I think you're going to like that movie too. Mm. And it, I felt like the Joker was in the darkness for a long time. Like they really made you wait mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. his face. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, and the whole surgery stuff, everything was like done from behind. Yes. But when he breaks the mirror and he just starts laughing, like yep. I'm just oh. like, oh man, we're in for it. And then when he actually, you know, he gets out of the elevator or whatever and he's in the darkness, he's just in the darkness for so long. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to see his face. Yeah, they have face. what, like a five minute conversation. Yeah, Such like I want to see his face. It's a but, tease. It's so good. Yeah, it was good. The Joker. It was really Gosh. good. I, As you can see. Although, I'm one a lot of the, happier. Yeah, one of the things <laughs> that they. <laughs> One of the things I think they got wrong, which I know that this is supposed to be like a one-off movie and, you know, Batman kills in this movie, whatever. But I thought that in, and I know that I'm not supposed to compare these to the to the newer movies, but the dynamic between Batman who has his rules mm-hmm. and won't kill anybody and the Joker who just keeps coming back. Right. And like that dynamic between the two characters is just not there no but that was my big problem too because it's like there's it would have been so good though if it was because even in in the history like in the dark knight they they establish that so clearly that you're the yin to my yang yes i don't exist without you yes you don't exist without me yes and they did that just in that one scene that's all they needed was one scene where they tried to do it on the top of the the bell tower Mm mm-hmm but it, it never got to that point where you realize we can do this forever. But, right. okay, now, guys, I do have to contextualize my own perspective. Uh, I was like four or five when this movie came to home video. Mm-hmm. And my uh, I had a little, little surgery, had a little hernia. Thank you, uh, mm-hmm. genetics. Anyway, I was laid up on the couch. And so as a surgery present, my parents bought me this VHS. So I watched it, uh, you know, 20 times mm. as a four and five year old, like just conked out on the couch. So my entire perspective on the character is built from this movie out rather than from the comics in or from the 60s show or from the Nolan movies. So I've got a, a skewed perspective and I, I, I'm aware of my bias. But let me ask you guys a question. Does this Batman not kill? And does this Batman have rules? Or do you assume that he has rules because of the comic book and the Nolan movies? It's never established in the movie. And here's right. the thing. They know when they're making this movie that they can't afford Jack Nicholson twice. Right. You're not going to recast the Joker, right? I mean, you're not right. going to have, in Batman Returns, you're not going to have stand-in, you know, guy with, you know, stunt Jack Nicholson back of his head in Arkham. Like, they're not going to do that in the early 90s. And so you got to kill him. You just have to. Yeah, see, I, I, I guess, even when I was that young, because I was, I wasn't five, but I was maybe fourteen when I saw it. As soon as the cartoon came out, it made me very angry about the ending of this movie, because I, I realized, it, when this movie happened before the cartoon, I was like, oh man, they killed him, they can't bring him back. That's what I was thinking as a fourteen-year-old. Mm-hmm. When I saw it, the cartoon, I was like, all they had to do was put him in Arkham. Yeah, and if you put him in Arkham, he's always there. That 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 arsenal of villains are always in that facility. Yeah. So 
from the cartoon, I realized how easy it is to end the story without killing the character. Well, yeah. and then in the Nolan in Dark Knight, they make it a point to like have him suspended over a large drop at the end of the movie. So they, they set up the same expectation and then just pay it off with, you know, oh, we're not going to kill him. We'll do this forever. And then some stuff happened right. and they couldn't do it forever. But uh, in real life, yeah. Bye. Well, I was mad when they killed Two-Face. I was like, oh, the, they have he's such an ma- amazing character. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk uh, about that. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the Tommy Lee Jones one, right? He's so good. <laughs> so good as to, oh, freaking Tommy Lee Jones. So good in everything else, like legitimately good. Even the, his crappy like B-movie 70s stuff. The he's only time he so was good. good as Two-Face was before when the very beginning when he's inside and he's talking to the police officer that he has chained up or whatever. It's the only time that he's actually doing good character study and and laying it down and then the rest of the movie is just him campy campy and running around screaming it's but, like they they were like hey that thing you didn't under siege do that but double <laughs> yeah because <laughs> there's two faces so you got to do a double <laughs> but that that first scene where you you're introduced to him i was buying that i was fine with that because he he definitely was talking from two out out, out both sides of his face in two different total personalities, and I was all for it. But then the rest of it, it was like it was a competition of who was going to be more goofy. I don't know if you saw that, but it's watchable. I way, n- I didn't see it. It's way more watchable than Batman and Robin. Don't even bother. But Forever is watchable, but it's not this. And it's not. It's definitely it's not, not Nolan. It's not it's good. A li- but it's, it's a watchable. little like um, groomy in a lot of ways. It's got some weird gay grooming. I think I've seen a few scenes from Outtakes, that movie. Right? Or, yeah, I, so I've seen I've seen that movie, and that's what I think I was thinking this movie was going to be. Okay. Did you see the Kung Fu laundry part? <laughs> in uh, which one? Batman Forever. In Forever? No, I don't. Robin dries his laundry by doing karate with it. <laughs> also, at one point, he wants to leave, and he's supposed to be like a teenage boy, and but he's like Bruce 30. Wayne is is like, hey, do you want to stay longer? I've got cool cars you can drive. <laughs> also, I made sandwiches. I'm like, ew, this movie ew. is grooming. They are grooming, Robin. Get him out of there. <laughs> Batman played by Epstein. Oh, jeez. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. What have they done to your Robins? Uh, <laughs> hey, so guys, um, but I'm serious. We're talking about Batman's rules, like, this dude has missile launchers on his airplane and he shoots him at a dude and somehow misses. But mm-hmm. that part is just confusing. But like he's perfectly willing to kill. This is yes. a kill in Batman. The only reason he doesn't kill those first two guys is because he needs the retweets, mm-hmm. right? Right. Like this is just not Batman of the comics. This is a this is Tim Burton's Batman. This is Burton's Batman. Yep. And the thing is, it's not you're looking for a yin and yang between him and Joker, but that's not the relationship. This is like a um like a climb, uh, like a ragged climb up a peak, right? Like these two are racing to the top of the mountain, locked together until they get to the top by their own decisions in the past. But, mm-hmm. I mean, this is not a circular relationship. Somebody is going to die, and it's just going to have to come down to who the best man is. It's such a great scene, though. That so ending. Yeah, the whole I, movie. I love the whole, that scene. It's just yeah. the whole thing. And apparently they were writing that scene as they were filming. That last... That climactic scene was not in the original script. They didn't have the no. the Vicky Vale beach fake out in the script. No, hmm. she wasn't even in the scene. 
Why does she? Uh, that I that part troubles me a little bit. Yeah. I don't want to sexualize Vicky Vale. No. Hey, so you guys want to hear a funny thing? Sure. Again, I was four years old when I saw this. I had no idea who Kim Basinger was. Mm. Fast forward to the early mm. 2000s. I'm in college and Netflix is a thing. So I'm just written everything I can. And I happen across nine and a half weeks. <laughs> and let me tell you. Showing. It was, it was <laughs> not a showing. It was like a, oh, Vicky. <laughs> oh my like, God. What have they done to Vicky? Like it's weird because she's been in there so long as Vicky Vale in my like kid brain, like kid brain could not like let go of Vicky Vale long enough for adult brain to be like, oh, this movie's amazing, and <laughs> Mickey Rourke has really made some bad choices since then, face wise. But sorry, Mickey. Uh, but yeah, nine and a half weeks that that was jarring. Now I've come around to the fact that she's an actress and not just a single character in a single movie. Right. Right. But it Final, took a while finally. to like see her as a person, not just as a character in a movie. <laughs> so what what do you uh what are you feeling about um Tim Burton's vision of Batman? Did you uh It's it's different. Okay. Um it's not it's not better or or worse. Actually, I mean if you ask me which I prefer, it's not this he's not my favorite Batman. Right. Uh, of of the ones I've seen, but it works. What I love about the Burton Batman is the environment, the just yeah. the city, like uh, it's just it's so Burton esque, especially it that is. that scene where after Batman gets Vale and they're in the car after he's like you know the you weigh a little bit more than one hundred and eight, mm-hmm. uh, and then they get in the car. And they drive through the woods. With yes. That amazing. Like I said, crescendo building Elfman song. Like it just that car, that drive, that the woods. Like it was just perfect. I said I love that Batmobile. Yeah. Just and then the cave. And then they go right into the side of the mountain, and she's like, ah. Oh. And then they're in the back cave. The cave. Have you was... ever seen uh, George? Have you ever seen any of the works of Fritz Lang? Are you familiar with him? Mm. German filmmaker from the twenties. For real. Okay, uh, you, you you might be, and you just don't. You might, know. Yeah, I, mean, I you, might be. You are if you've seen this movie, uh, is what I would say. There's a movie called Metropolis. It's Metropolis. one of the first great like sci-fi uh, special effects extravaganza movies. It's silent and silent just amazing, movie. but the the design is very German expressionist. Very tall buildings, high angles, sharp edges, like all the stuff you see in Burton's Gotham City mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Metropolis. Uh, also Fritz Lang did, uh, M, which is like the first great murder mystery. Like the one that still today is, is like a watchable, scary movie. Uh, he did uh, ministry of fear, mm-hmm. which later went on to inspire a lot of Dario Argento stuff, which you guys know, I love my Italian jolly. <laughs> uh, so while you're looking at this as a Burton, I would say that this is more Burton channeling Fritz Lang while also trying to stay within like the producer's vision mm-hmm. for the character. And the reason that's an important distinction is because a couple of years later they made Batman Returns, which George, if this is a Batman movie directed by Tim Burton, Batman Returns is a Tim Burton movie that just happens to feature Batman. <laughs> okay. It's true. 
He had a lot more control in the in the second one. <sighs> some of the dialogue is fantastic in Batman Returns. Like sometimes, uh, if I'm in the right mood, some of the exchanges between uh, Batman and Catwoman are like mm-hmm. the the best. Oh yeah, they're the best scenes. They're so snappy, and they just hit on the right points, and the acting is right on key. But man, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You should watch it. It's great. You'll love it. No, it's watchable. Again, it's watchable. watchable. It's just, oh man, I'm it's, not a Tim Burton fan though. Like I love Beetlejuice, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and this. And then that's about it. I get off the train. Yeah. And that's about a big fish. Isn't that Tim Burton? That was a good yeah. one. But that's different, kind of. I'm just trying to think of of. Things that make this totally different than Nolan, Nolan's world, because like you said, Nolan's world is kind of realistic. This mm-hmm. is not realistic. Like it's it's very over dramatized. It's it's very uh, theatrical. Reminds me of a comic book. Yeah, it's very very theatrical. How about yeah. the TV news uh, throughout the thing? <laughs> oh, one of my notes was like, how many TVs does the Joker have? He likes to destroy them. Mm. <laughs> right? Like every time he sees something he doesn't like on TV, destroys his TV. He creates apparatuses just to punch TVs out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, you were talking about the anchors, Dan. Like they just stopped showering because there could be poison in their uh, soap, I guess. Is that what's going on there? Well, yeah, there was a mixture of everything they were wearing. They don't know what it is that's killing them, so they <clears> just <throat> have to drop all the cosmetics. Right. <laughs> It's just a fun. It, it's a fun amount of detail that you don't know, normally expect from a comic book movie. Yeah, I uh, did notice that. I thought it was funny. His Joker commercial when he hijacks the the air. Yeah, it's just amazing. Kicking through the the shopping mall. New mm-hmm. improved Joker products. <laughs> <laughs> Love He's that Joker. Brand X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little over catch- top. I'm sure you've seen this, Travis, but George, on your first watch, did you catch his looking at CIA files early in the movie? He, no. One of his like folders is like a CIA neurotoxin report. It's where they're you know building this Joker gas from like existing nerve gas. No, <laughs> and just making it fun colors so that it'll be purple or <laughs> whatever colors they're using. I didn't notice that. So that's. Uh, it's it's oddly grounded for a movie that involves, you know, uh, a Prince soundtrack, a giant parade full of gas balloons, an airplane that doesn't have any sharp edges except for the, you know, like all these things that are just kind of over the top, but also like the Joker's a horny mob boss who gets really into nerve gas at one point. Like it's a, it's a weird dichotomy. Some of it sounds like it would fit better in the Nolan verse. <laughs> a horny Joker. <laughs> That's Dude, this funny. Joker, this Joker is horny. Yeah, this guy is thirsty. He is out for ladies. Do you think that was a, an intentional choice coming off of Cesar Romero's Joker? I don't know. Do you think they were like, hey, you know, Cesar Romero, great Joker, great laugh, great mustache under the makeup, but he's not really into just chasing tail all the time. And it's the '80s, and we're all on coke because of the '80s. And so now we've got to be coked up, lady, skirt chasing, billionaire, philanthropist. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like the fact that that was his motive. So horny. Like that. That to me, it's it kind of takes away from the Joker because 
that's why I love the Ledger Joker so much is that it's it's the true chaos, and the, his whole character is driven by chaos. Yeah, he loves the chaos. He loves. He thrives off. It. He creates chaos so he can be more chaotic, and and there's not a there's not a sane thought in his head. And this Joker is like you said, he's a little bit more driven by getting <laughs> getting laid and making money but not money to burn just like i, I and, and make art he wants to make art yeah so I people mean, in a lot die of ways, he is also <laughs> chaotic right he probably falls on the same chaotic evil scale as the ledger joker but i mean okay so you could argue that he's actually more chaotic than ledger because he's so much less aware of his own chaotic like goals like he's not a not so much a goal driven dude as much as he is just like i mean you know who he reminds me of i mean he paints his face orange to go on tv he's a former mafioso he's a clinical psychopath he bribes the blue collar workers and then gathers them together and gets them all killed plus he's into petty personal attacks on his rival he's all about that false machismo he's not physically tough heck he even (laughs) travels by a green helicopter he's biff from 85 (laughs) feet I don't think I would have had fun in the 80s, guys. I'm kind of glad I was just a little kid. Well, VCRs cost like $400. So <laughs> that was not fun. That's the big joke in Wedding Singers. Like, I just got this VCR. It's like 800 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but plays. now you have the, the power to capture TV and not let it go. <laughs> I have the very first DVD player. It cost me three grand. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so... My favorite part of this movie is Danny Elfman, the composer of some of the greatest music mm. in most of my favorite movies. Like he, When I hear a Danny Elfman song, I know exactly that it is a Danny Elfman song. I know I can just hear little pieces, and I already know who it is. Like His music, to me, is more of a character in this movie than some of the characters. It just sets the tone from the very beginning that that 19 minute long credit <laughs> scroll around this the symbol. Yeah. I, I didn't care. I could have listened to it for another 20 minutes. Maybe maybe his music fits the movie so well. Maybe that's the reason why I didn't even notice to say anything about it. Really? Yeah, Th- to me, I, I should because I always, I normally always, you know, notice the music. Right. This time, I, I kind of didn't, but that that might be a compliment because he was, you know, using his music to, you know, build whatever suspense or whatever, yeah. and I didn't even realize that that's what it was. That was the reason I was. Well, the music that, that sticks way. out like a sore thumb is the Prince music because it kind of comes out of nowhere, and then you're yeah, like, that's totally opposite of the actual score of this film. But yeah, go back. I have I to have, listen. Yeah, I have to listen to it again. To me, I I put the DVD in just to play that scene where he drives the car through the woods. Oh I yeah. W- I will listen to that. I have the CD, so I don't have to put the DVD in anymore. I have actually have the CD of Danny Elfman's music, but that scene I would watch on a loop. Right, but that's that's what I'm saying. Like that scene for me was one of my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. I probably didn't realize it when I was watching it that the music added so much. 
Oh yeah. To it. Yep. Definitely worth yeah. looking at that again. I bought surround sound just so I could watch that scene. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure that you you didn't catch it the first time because it's such a small detail. But at the end, right, and you got the triumphant chords of this big yeah. final score, and right at the end they hit like two or three bells. Bells. Yep. And the bells, just for me as now a person who's seen the movie a million times, that's like my moment. I'm just like the bells. <laughs> yes. It's so little. Like my kids, again, kids, these poor kids, I'm putting them through so much. I'm like, guys, you got to hear the bells. And they're like, what? Okay. And they hear them. They're like, wait, what? What did we hear? I'm like, the the dings, the ding, ding. And they're like, we don't care. But George will care because <laughs> George is a musician. So George will be all about them bells. Them bells. Well, yeah, that, that ending scene, it's... As iconic as Christopher Reeve flying, orbiting the Earth at the at the end of Superman, like just the sea, and then he waves at the camera and flies away. He gives you that smirk, and it's like you just know everything's okay. <laughs> and mm. to me, Bruce Wayne, Batman comes into his, you know, his zone, and he gives them the signal. Like when he says, "We have a signal," and they punch it on, and you're like, "Oh yeah!" Mm-hmm. And then they do that whole crescendo of music. And then they just kind of go up through the, the buildings and then the scaffolding and whatever. And they finally get to the top and then the light comes on. And then, like you said, the bells. Like, I could l- watch that scene 35 times in a row. Just sit there. And Jen would be like, what are you doing? And like, nothing. I just, <laughs> I love the bells. <laughs> Hand uh. check. <laughs> hey, so uh, one thing I love about this movie, and they do it again in Batman Begins, and I don't know if you caught it there either, so I'm going to make you listen to me talk for a second. Check this out. When the movie ends, you now have established Batman, established Commissioner Gordon, and a bat signal. All you're missing is Robin, and you get yourself back to the old TV show. Mm-hmm. So whether it is just to bring the audience home to like, yeah, the character is now full, like complete. Like everything I need from the comics and the old TV show I've got now because I have the Bat Signal and a Batman and Commissioner Gordon. Joker's a puddle, but other than that, you know, everything you need (laughs) to like feel like it's a Batman movie. But then cut ahead to Batman Begins. Now that's actually a movie that they didn't know if they were doing a sequel. Right. And where does it end? Batman, Commissioner Gordon, established Joker. Mm -hmm. To where it almost makes it like a soft prequel prequel to this movie which i thought oh that's so good like you'd have to make some jumps to get from the end of begins to this batman but they set it up in a way that you you can you can fudge it and get there Mm -hmm. just in case they don't make another movie and they pay a little bit of homage and they set up just enough that yeah if it's right in it's a good touch man when when he flips that card over he's like take this guy for instance you know Yep. Failed actor, double murder, blah, 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 leaves a calling card. When he flipped that that bag over and it was a Joker card, the people in the theater just lost their shit. Like, they were just like, oh, man, like, we're getting there already. Yeah. We don't have yep. to wait five movies. But, yeah, it, it, it that's the first thing that popped in my head was it, it almost felt like a prequel to the Nicholson. Absolutely. So I, I, yeah, I, I didn't feel that way. Because I had never seen this. You'd never seen it, right? (laughs) He had. Now he's seen it. Now I've seen it. No, I'm saying when I watched Begins, I didn't feel that way because I had never seen this movie. And you know what's funny? The the executives played with what you're talking about, Dan, when they did the 
first or second trailer for Batman Forever. It was I think it was the first trailer. They you can go on YouTube and find it. They use the Danny Elfman uh finale music oh, in the trailer and when they hit those bells they show Robin standing in his full costume like that he finally received in the movie. Like they they build it up to the point where you're like, "Oh my god, this is going to be phenomenal." And then when you watch the movie, you're like, "Damn." Yeah, that's a letdown. They, they it was a letdown. But they used the Danny Elfman music. They love those bells. Now, George, I don't know if you ever saw like Batman v Superman, Man of Steel, any other recent DC movies. I did not see Batman versus Superman. Did you see Justice League? No. So, uh, when they had their whole big, do you know? Do you know the backstory on the Justice League collapse and rebuild? The movie or the uh, the, the movie. characters? Yeah, the, the filming of the movie. Basically, they had a director. He was the same guy as Batman v Superman. And then the studio didn't like the direction he was heading, and they put a lot of pressure on him. And then he had a family tragedy and just said, okay, screw it, I'm out. And so he left, and they had Joss Whedon, the guy who did Avengers, come in and like, <laughs> cartoon it up a little bit. And he redid a bunch of the stuff, and a lot of his decisions were terrible, and that movie is garbage mm-hmm. in its current form, although the original director's coming back with his vision, and it probably will still suck, but at least it's not <laughs> as bad as the last one. Anyway. It's amazing that we're even going to get that. The internet made that happen. The internet yes. is crazy. Here's the thing that I want to point out, though. They brought Danny Elfman back, and they're like, Danny Elfman's coming back. He's going to score Batman. You're going to get the Batman score, and you're going to love it. And I was like, ooh, I can't wait for this Batman score. It's going to be amazing. Dude, he hits maybe three chords of the original Batman score once in the entire movie, just to make me feel it and then rip it away. He, he did that in what movie? In Which Justice one? League. Batman really? pops up on the uh, Gotham police headquarters. Okay. And you hear, dun, dun, dun. And then it cuts to something oh. else. And they never do it again. And I'm just like, you've got Danny Elfman. You have the music and you failed me. Yeah, they blew it. Losers. <laughs> <laughs> So you just pop in the Sam Raimi's Batman or S- Spider-Man and you get a great Danny Elfman score for Spider-Man as well. I mean, it's it's the Batman score again. That's why it's so good. Exactly. <laughs> I love Danny Elfman <laughs> for making the Batman score, but he didn't need to do it again in Spider-Man. <laughs> he changed it a little bit. Mm. If I heard them both together, I'd be able to tell them apart pretty easily. No, you could because you'd be like, oh, that one sounds complete and amazing. That must be Batman. Oh, that one's lacking a little something. <laughs> That's the Spider-Man one. Okay. Who'd, fair, who knew I enough. had such hot takes on Danny Elfman? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, you sound very angry about Danny. Dude, but Prince, like, Were let's you not, not... a Oingo Boingo fan? What, what happened? Ugh, too young. <laughs> uh, hey, how about Prince, though? I mean, we've already talked about it, but like, dude... Prince was rocking in this movie. I remember when the video came out. That was huge. Oh, my gosh. The music videos from this movie, George, get on (laughs) YouTube as soon as we're done and watch the music videos. They're insane. Yeah, I was going to say I have to do that. Bat dance. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Yeah. It's so He's good crazy. stuff, man. Oh, man. They let him be Prince. Like, you got to give him yeah, credit. Yeah, they did not give a shit. In 1988 and 89, Prince was still edgy 
and Prince didn't give two shits about what they were going to do, and they let him be himself. Like, you don't get that in a Hollywood movie these days. You guys weren't really around to remember this. The the phenomenon. You can actually go on YouTube and find old, like, 1989 Entertainment Tonight's and, uh, like, newscasts when this movie came out. The phenomenon that happened between Prince and the T-shirts and, like, uh, the posters and like the merchandise it was ridiculous it was like Bat- the Beatles Batmania man Batmania Bat- they call it like everybody was it, Prince was on the top of the world he was bigger than Elvis it was crazy and it's I like, only know about it because when I was a kid say like 94 ish uh, I got a VHS tape that had been produced it was like in the bargain bin it had been produced between the original and just before the announcement of Batman Returns. And so it cuts off with this like final cliffhanger of like, maybe we won't have to wait 30 years for another Batman movie. But it doesn't know for sure that we won't because it hasn't been announced yet. But it goes through the entire history back through like even the early influences on the comics. you know. So it's like showing mm-hmm. the eclipse from the man who laughed so you can see how creepy... Right. Uh, they were before they they ripped that off for the Joker back in the 30s. So yes, I, I as a small child, I, I watched a documentary on the lead up to this movie and the marketing campaign uh, probably 10 times just because I was a kid and obsessed. Word. Which is different than being a grown up and obsessed. I was going to say that. You're, because now you're just a grown <laughs> up and obsessed. As a kid, I didn't have any money. Right. Mm. And now I have three kids and no money, no and I money. wish I had no kids <laughs> and three money, but what can you do? <laughs> nah, you don't wish that. No, I don't. No, who else would I talk to about Batman movies all day? I didn't That's have true. these kids. Got to raise them right. Got to raise them right. Got to raise them. Got to raise them. I mean, you can't not raise them. That's illegal. <laughs> so. Some people don't. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's how you it, get the supervillains, I think. It, it might be illegal. I'm not sure if it's enforced, though. <laughs> that's fine. That's funny. I, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I did. Are you going to finish scared. the 66 uh, Batman, George? <laughs> it's probably going to leave with me they this They have evening. a fist fight on a submarine. <laughs> this happens. I might a- I might actually. You should probably watch Yeah. I'm I mean, some days... Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. It's true. I mean, that's just the facts. It's a shame you don't have a frame of reference, even from the TV show for the movie. I do have a little. I know that the TV show is like... Cliffhanger upon cliffhanger. Yeah, and the things that happen are like kind of outlandish and and whatever. Tilted cameras and scaling buildings from just walking across the floor. And shark repellent. (laughs) So bad. Right around the time they made the Batman TV show, they, there was an Italian giallo made called Death Laid an Egg. And it's the only one that I can think of that is actually like a camp giallo. And so it's like this murder mystery thing, and it has a lot of the tropes of the others. But it's so insane in its zany camp comedy, but it plays it completely straight, right? There's no wink at the camera. So at one point, it cuts to like a board meeting for like a... Uh, an advertising company. And the ad execs are talking about how we're going to bring chicken back to the dinner table. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like marketing chicken back to Italian households because chicken needs to be back in the households. And you, 
the work is all on you and the, as the audience to look at this thing and be like, this movie is making fun of me for thinking this is a real movie. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of like RoboCop. Yeah, it's exactly. It's it's like a a sillier version of RoboCop, if you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even grow up with it, so I don't have any kind of allegiance towards it. But I still, can't, it's like a train wreck. Sometimes you just can't look away. Dude, I grew yeah, up in a house. To watch with, it. We had no cable. Uh, my dad was a cop. My mom was a stay at home. So I mean, we had very little in the way of an entertainment budget. But my uncle had cable and would tape the old show off of the old family channel. And so, I mean, I've seen, especially the first season ones that were played on repeat, uh, you know, a lot. So he was like your original enabler. Yes. Yeah. When he found out I liked that movie, he was like, oh, I've seen the TV show. You should probably have a tape of these that I just made. You know, actually, that kind of led me down a rabbit hole because he taped me the movie off of uh, Family Channel, I think. And it was on at night. And so on my old tape, there's a couple of commercials for Friday the 13th, part eight, mm. Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. On the same tape as my Batman show. Well, you owe him big time. Oh, man. Like for who he, you are. He's he's helped a lot. Thanks, Uncle Mike. <laughs> wow. Part eight. <laughs> Dude, part so, eight. Actually, part eight ended up being the first one I saw when my really? parents finally let, like relented and said, okay, you can watch one but it has to be taped off USA and not off of HBO. So my buddy taped part eight and brought it over and we watched it. And I thought it's so amazing. I had to see the rest. <laughs> I think part three were might've been part two was my first one. God, two is so good. By the way, mm. George, you got to watch all these movies someday. Part two. <laughs> I mean, That's you know, a goal. lot of people, you hear so many people talk about like the Godfather movies. Oh yeah. Part one, part two. Oh yeah. Part one, part two. No, dude, it's all about the Jason movies. Part two, part four, part five, part six, sometimes seven, eight if you're drunk, I'm told. <laughs> uh, sometimes seven. I, I hear a seven. lot of uh, a lot about Rocky as far as like Rocky this, Rocky that, one, two, five, seven. I, I, I look at Rocky Jason movies, movies and Rocky, you know, I look at them as like families. You, they're all kind of different, but uh, they all have the thing that you love most about them. And you, you just you love them for what they are, and you're not you can't really compare them. You know, part three is good for this reason, bad for this reason. You know, part four is good for this reason, bad for this reason. So they all have their strengths and weaknesses. So I just I just love them all for different reasons. They're like having eight nine children. You love them all just for different reasons. Mm. I, I like seven, so I don't know what you're talking about. Seven is fun to watch with people, but the first half hour is such a slog. If you're watching it by yourself, it's one of those movies like you'll go in thinking, oh, I remember this movie being awesome. And five minutes in, you're looking at your phone like, hmm, I wonder what uh, what the next <laughs> baseball game is going to be. Oh, this movie's still on. I'll keep watching. Not me. Man. I just go to the scene selection. Dan's, yeah, Dan's <laughs> problem is that all of the people that he knows, he's already seen all the Jason movies with. He has no one else to drag into it with him. That's, That's what you're true. here for, George. Well, <laughs> see, I want to start watching them again because I got stuck in a rabbit hole on YouTube for watching uh, people go to set, like actual sets. Like they uh, go and yep. they visit the sets. So I've been watching guys go to like the set for part three and, now part and, four and part four and part. And I'm like, oh my God. The now and then videos you're talking about? Yeah. And I'm just like, I got to go. I got to watch this movie again. 
because there it is. That's the fireplace. Oh, that's the cabin. Oh, there's the barn. Yeah, we started playing that Friday the 13th game. I mean, okay, I kick-started it and have been playing it since the day it launched. And <laughs> I've been through a lot, guys. There were some real server issues early on. Uh, but now it rocks and uh, nobody plays it anymore. So it sucks. But anyway, uh, that game paid such great homage to the best moments, at least the best design moments of the first couple. And so, yeah, every time now I watch the movie, I have the warm feelings for the last time I was chasing a poor injured camp counselor through Higgins Haven. You know, it's, it's a, it's a disease, but I can't wait to give it to you, George. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what to say. Thank you. <laughs> what are you, Garth? Yeah, I'm like, thank oh. you. <laughs> Just along for the ride. Well, what do we got for next week? I'm going to let you tell him because he can hit you if he doesn't like the choice. He can't hit me. I'm remote. <laughs> All right. Uh, George, have you ever seen Blues Brothers? Kind of. You kind of seen it? Kind of. I kind of saw it. Is that one of those drunk movies? Yeah. Hmm. Well, now you're going to see it stone cold sober. (laughs) (laughs) No promises. Breathalyzer, engage. You get a really amazing take on Carrie Fisher in that movie. George, are you a fan of Booker T and the MGs? Uh... The only Booker T he knows is uh, Booker T from from wrestling. <laughs> WCW Booker <laughs> T or whatever it is. Well, what about okay? So uh, do you know who's five time champion? Do you know Steve Cropper, mm-hmm. the guitar player for the Booker T and the MGs? What about Duck Dunn? No, not familiar. Ooh, you're gonna be familiar by the end of this. Oh, okay. I'm excited. See, okay, now I'm I'm excited again. I love that okay. movie, but now I'm extra excited. If anything, it's up your alley. Okay. So like way up there. Yeah, it's it's in there. It's like it's up there like you know It's pretty deep. <laughs> it's <laughs> deep. It's like it's, it's in there like swimwear. It's like watch deep. <laughs> You're gonna have to call the doctor to pull it out again. Hey George, yes. have you ever seen Batman nineteen eighty nine? Yes. Yes I have. Lovingly known as Burton's Batman. Yes. Alright guys, nice. hit the bells. We did it. Ding. Ding.